Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. If you have your Bibles, we want to get back into the book of Hebrews chapter number one. Amen. Then we're going to go to Hebrews two. And then we're going to jump all the way over to Hebrews four. But we want to begin in uh, Hebrews chapter number one, beginning at verse number one. And tonight we want to conclude our uh, series on keys to total victory. And uh, in particular, this lesson on needless worry. Amen. Hebrews 1 and 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness with both uh, signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and beginning at verse number 15. Hebrews 4 and 15. Amen. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. Everybody say all points. Tempted like like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant. That was talking about me. It was talking about maybe nobody else here. But he has compassion on the ignorant. That means me. Now that word ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It just means me. The literal translation is left in the dark. For people that were just left in the dark, amen. And on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for his people, so also for himself to offer sins. Amen. And uh, tonight we want to by the grace of God, conclude this uh, series on key to ap- the key to absolute victory in the book of Hebrews and specifically talking about the needless worry that we deal with day in and day out in life. Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your presence here tonight on this Tuesday night. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us and touch our understanding. Lord, I thank you for the many blessings that you have given us, in particular air conditioning in this heat. Lord, I pray you would touch our minds to receive and our spirits to understand in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Man, it's hot. I'm pretty sure I saw the devil outside 7-Eleven sipping on a Slurpee. It's so hot. <laughs> Days like this, I wake up and I thank God for uh, Mr. Carrier who created air conditioning. Amen. Praise God. The big book of Hebrews began by telling us that God sent word to the world concerning salvation and his plan to redeem man. We talked about uh, through the last several weeks the importance of understanding, knowing, and believing with great affirmation that we are saved. If you don't know you're saved from day to day, uh, you, you need to do one of two things. One, stop sinning. That's usually a great cause of doubt of your salvation. If you're holding up liquor stores every day, stop holding up liquor stores. All right? <laughs> Amen. If you're just writing bad checks to everybody, stop writing bad checks to everybody. You know, if you're sticking tongues out at your, you know, your tongue out your neighbor and doing the blah, 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 you know, giving them the Bronx raspberry, stop doing that. Stop being mean to people. But more often than not, it's the second. We don't have confidence in God. And so we need to strengthen our confidence in the Lord. We, we've talked about that for the last few weeks, and I, and I pray that you have used this occasion to strengthen your confidence in the Lord. Just because we believe in God doesn't mean we always have confidence in God. Amen? Let me say again, just because we believe in God doesn't mean we always have confidence in God. Amen? Uh, I, I, I believe in the, uh, the uh, architects and the builders who, who build bridges, and I'm not afraid of bridges, but when traffic, I get stuck on the Golden Gate or the Bay Bridge or the Carquinas Bridge. I can't help but think of earthquakes. Am I the only one in here that does that when you get on a bridge? I don't panic. I don't, I don't freak out. I just think in my mind, this would be a bad place and a bad time to have an earthquake, right? You know, because when you're on that Carquinas Bridge and you're, what is it, 100 feet up in the, you go through there all the time, don't you? And you don't know how tall, you didn't get out there with a measuring stick and see how tall it is. It's pretty high, I know that. I know if you jump, you're, if you survive, you're eating steak through a straw the rest of your life, amen. So I, 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 I it's, and I think to myself, man, you know, I've, I believe in the architects. I believe in the engineers. But I don't have confidence that if this old earth starts shaking, it's going to hold up when I'm on it. Amen? Amen. On the other side of that coin, this is the reason I don't go to county fairs. Because I don't got confidence, and I don't got belief in the crackheads that put them rides up. And you say, oh, you're being mean. You're being, no, I'm not. I've seen them. I know them. I knew the meth heads that put together four states, county fair in Miller County and Bowie County. I knew them out there with all three teeth in their head, tweaking out, 
putting up the Ferris wheel. I ain't getting on that Ferris wheel, Jack. <laughs> right? <laughs> I ain't got confidence in it. You're a chicken. You won't get on the zipper. I ain't a chicken to get on the zipper. I just know the people that put that together, last time I checked, they thought two plus two was eight. I mean, really, I, I don't got much confidence in them. I, I learned don't even have confidence in, in the food if it's the carnies making it. You know, you go to the people, that's the local restaurant making the food. Y'all hey, know what I'm talking about? You don't go up to the, you know, the woman that's got, you know, orange sweat stains in her armpit and, and, and you don't want to go over to the man who's dripping sweat into his carne asada on the grill. They live in a horse trailer slash bunk because they just follow that fare around everywhere. Now, I'll, I'll go over to this, uh, you know, truck over here that has some, you know, these things called standards. And I'll check because I don't got I don't got confidence. My, my, my tongue may believe in the taste, but my gut ain't got the confidence in it, especially the older that I get. Amen. But I will, I will roll the dice on a funnel cake now. I mean, how bad can you mess that up, really? Um, <laughs> so it's one thing to believe. It's, it's, a, it's another thing to have confidence. We believe in God, but, but we need to believe in God and have confidence in God. That he that has saved me, is what the writer said, is able to keep me and, anybody know the rest? Present me faultless before him in that day. So the writer said, I've got confidence that if he saved me, Brother Nate, he's able to keep me. The Bible said no man can pluck me out of the hand of God. No man. The only person to take you out of the hand of God is you. He said, I, I've got confidence. I believe. I'm persuaded. He that has saved me is able to keep me and not only keep me, but present me faultless before him in that day. You know, uh, a while back I had to pick up a piece of furniture my wife bought. And I had to go to the store and pick it up. I don't like that mission. Because if you know my wife, she's an eagle eye for detail. And if I get that thing home and it's got a scratch on it, Sister Raleigh, and I didn't see the scratch, you think she's mad at the store? No. She's going to say, why did you pick this piece? This thing don't even function. Where? What's wrong with it? You don't see that? What? There's a scratch on it. Bring me the magnifying glass. Dear, you are right. Well, now I can't take it back. They're going to say you did it. So I don't like these missions. I make her go with me. And the salespeople, they love my wife, but they don't, you know, kind of like that part because they know she's going to scour every inch of whatever she's buying. Because she's got enough Keith Green, that's her dad, in her to see a scratch and go, I, no, no, that's not what I'm buying. 20% off right there. It's damaged goods. 
Ma'am, it won't hurt the function. It doesn't matter if it hurts the functionality or not. I didn't buy a scratch. And they said, there's no way we can give you 20% off. She goes, you're exactly right, not 20%. I've got an extra 10% coupon I didn't even tell you about. She went up getting 30% off. She always wins. I look at them and tell them, just, just, you're going to lose. <laughs> just, get, just, you know. And, and I, had to, I had to pick it up. My wife must have some confidence in me I don't have in myself. Because when they're loading that thing in the back of my truck, which was really the only negative to getting a pickup truck was knowing that from time to time I've got to haul her furniture. See, when I had a car, I said, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Brother Reverend, you feeling my pain over here? <laughs> when I had my car, it's like, well, you know, babe, we don't got a truck. <laughs> Maybe one of the brothers will pick it up, <laughs> take it out on them. <laughs> but she, she must have some confidence in me to pick it up. I don't got confidence in myself. I know that I'm going to start out right. I'm going to drive careful. I'm going to ease up to the white line at the red light. I'm going to ease off that white line going through the intersection. But somewhere between the store and 832 Kingman, I'm going to get in a hurry. And I don't care if that couch is hanging out the back of my truck. Bless God, I know I tied a good knot, and we're getting this thing home quick, fast, and in a hurry. And we go. And then right about the time I, I get off the exit, I start going, ooh, I wonder if that thing moved a little bit. And I'll get there, and sure enough, it's safe and sound, and I'm untying the knot. My wife, do you have any trouble? No, I'm, a, I'm the king. I know how to do this. Close your eyes and help me unload this thing. See, God, God is confident in himself. That if he saves you, he's able to sustain you through the trip and present you faultless in that day. Say, but pastor, I've got scars and I've got scratches and I'm beat up and I'm marred. And, and this vessel has been beat up and there's cracks and there's blemishes. Not to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what repentance does. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't do a patchwork on your fault, the mercy of God in the blood of Jesus does a, does a total redo to where you cannot tell where it was messed up to begin with. And the writer said, I am persuaded that he that has saved me is able to keep me and present me faultless before him in that Day. And he don't need to wrap me in bubble wrap, styrofoam, and cardboard boxes. He's got me wrapped in his blood. Amen. He's got me kept by his grace. And if I walk in covenant with him and I walk in relationship with him, I believe in him. But I've got to have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say confidence. confidence. Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 6 through 7 says, but Christ, as, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, that means we belong to his household, we are of that family, if we hold fast the confidence 
and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Somebody say confidence. Let us therefore come boldly, Hebrews 4.16, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When do you need mercy? More specifically, what does it take to need mercy or grace? Huh? You're in trouble. That's a good one. Huh? No, what does it take? Why would you need mercy? Sins. Sins. We think like we can only go to God if we're pure. We think we can only go to God if we have no fault. We think we can only go to the throne of God if we fasted till our belly button fell out. We think we can only go to the throne of God. We think we can only go to the, to the throne room of God if everything is perfect and if we've prayed and read our Bible three times through. No. Hebrews said, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. I don't belong in the throne room. I'm a, I have failed. No. That's where you belong. You belong at the throne of grace. That's where you find mercy. Don't let the devil keep you out. Don't let your flesh keep you out. Don't let your mind and your carnality and doubt keep you out. If you got sin, if you got fault, if you got failure, get to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Have confidence. That he loves you enough that he's given you access to his throne because you need mercy. Amen. Where else are you going to go for mercy? Some weirdo wearing a robe hiding in a booth somewhere? That's not where you get mercy. You don't climb in a confessional and get mercy. You get mercy at church when you come. No, you get mercy and grace when you have fallen. Don't stay down and say, I've messed up, I'm not good enough. Climb up and get to the throne of grace and say, Lord, I have messed up. I have sinned. I have failed. And my Bible tells me that if I will confess my sin to the Lord, he is two things. One, he is faithful. And two, he is just to forgive me. You can't earn God's favor. You can't earn God's mercy. You can't earn God's grace. It's freely given. Freely given. Look at somebody and say, it's freely given. So Paul said, therefore, let us come boldly, boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the good times, when everything's perfect, when I'm doing, no, in the time of need. So the writer said, when I'm in need of mercy, that means when I've fallen, right? That's why I need mercy. That's why I need grace. When I'm in a temptation, when I'm in a struggle, when I'm in a trial, that's why I need it. 
Praise God. I can come boldly. Now, why would I come boldly? Because you got confidence. I will come boldly to the throne of God because I've got confidence in God. I'm his child. I'm his child. I'm not going to walk in there with my tail tucked between my legs like I'm some third removed orphan. I'm his child. You're his child. When you have need, you need to go to the throne of God with boldness. Now, boldness is not cockiness. Boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is confidence in who he is in relationship to you. He didn't, and notice the, the, the tone of the writing of, of Paul here. He didn't say, and let us come into the fireside room of grace. That's not what he said. Let us come to the sicking, sick and ailing bedside of, the, of grace. He said, let us come to the throne. Who sits on a throne? It must be somebody pretty important. He didn't say, come sit on the front porch swing of, the, of grace and mercy. He said, come boldly unto the throne. That throne is the same word used for throne in Revelations when it said he was high and lifted up and I saw him that sat upon the throne. Amen. It was the most high exalted throne in the history of the world for it is the throne of God. It is the throne of your father. He said you walk in there with boldness that you may obtain mercy and you'll find grace in the time of need. I know you believe in him, but you don't have confidence in him. Amen. My dad, um, my dad owned a business most of our life doing uh, scrap, scrap cars and, you know, uh, cans and uh, aluminum and short iron and long iron. You know the difference between long iron and short iron? One's long, one's short. All right. <laughs> we'd buy, we'd buy copper and we'd buy uh, clean copper and clean you know what clean copper is versus just copper one's clean there you go man I'm telling you what they need to double that degree I ought to learn quick and I must be a good teacher amen <laughs> my dad had this little office in there and uh, nobody went in that office and uh Everybody's kind of afraid of that office because it was my, my grandpa's office. You know, everybody kind of stayed out of there. But in that office was a, was a little TV, right? One of them, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the thing was that deep, but it was only that wide and that tall. It was, wide, it was deeper than it was tall and wide. And, and it had little rabbit ears on it, a little thing like this. See, y'all have no clue of this. We had, we, had, we had three channels, three, six, and 12, and we got a little bit older, and the towers got a little bit more stronger. We were, we were able to pick up uh, KMSS 33 out of Shreveport. And so we loved uh, KMSS Fox out of Shreveport because they stayed on until 1 in the morning. Every other TV station went off at midnight. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Did it happen out here in California? It, it turned up. It, it's a, it is 11.59, and the station is now signing off. And they would, uh, KMSS would go off at, at 1 in the morning, so we got to stay up an extra. You know, we'd put a blanket over it. About to die from heat coming off of that thing. And all of a sudden you hear guitar strum and Elvis baritone going, I wish I was in the land of cotton. And you'd see swamps and alligators and the setting sun. And we'd watch that because we knew that was the last one minute of entertainment we were getting. And then it was black and white. I mean, it was a TV. When you turn it on, it went. And we turn it off, it and it go to a little dot in the middle. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? But see, my dad's business was in Texarkana. And, and, and they got cable. We lived too far in the woods to get cable. Cable wouldn't come that far. My dad, I can't remember how much he had to pay him to run a phone line out there. We lived so far in the country. But they had something called Nickelodeon. And I wanted to go see Nickelodeon. And I wanted to go in my dad and my grandpa's office. But nobody went in that office. But I was going to go in that office and I was going to watch me some Nickelodeon because they had some cartoons on. And they didn't. I just settled for watching Sanford and Son for a couple hours, which I loved anyway. It was one of my favorites anyway. And, and I walked in. However, I, I remember one of the workers you, you can't make this up. His name was Festus. He was come walking through, and he, his name was literally Festus. He'd come walking through. He said, hey, boy, you ain't going in there, are you? And I said, well, yeah. He said, you, you don't go in Big Harold's office. And I said, Big Harold's my dad. Sucker. And I walked right in and shut the door. I didn't say that because I'd got a whooping. And I walked. The point is this. I know who my dad is, and I know who I am. I am nothing on my own to tell a grown man I'm going in there anyway. But the relationship I have with the owner of the company says to a man that could squirsh me to a little bug that I'm going in anyway is I have confidence in that relationship of he's my dad and if he wants to mess with me, he's going to mess with him. And so I'm going in anyway. You've got to have that same confidence in the God that you serve. He is my father. I am his child. And when I need mercy, I'm going to his house and I'm not waiting in the lobby. I'm not going to the kitchen. I'm not going to sit out in the parlor or the living room or the den or on the front porch. I am going to the throne room because that's where the power sits. I'm going to the source. I ain't got time to deal with secretaries. I ain't got time to deal with angels. I ain't got time. I ain't dealing with that stuff. 
I'm going to the source. My father is the source. Do you believe in God? Good. Now have confidence in God and your relationship with God and walk into, you are worrying about too many things that your daddy has control over. Hallelujah. He's your father. He's your father. Somebody say, he's my daddy. Somebody, somebody told me one time, I mean, I was, you can be seated, I was a young preacher, as I was preaching, I said, he's my daddy, he's my father, he's my papa. And they said, oh, you gotta show God more reverence than that. I said, really? The Bible says, wherefore, by the spirit of adoption, we cry Abba, which translated literally means papa. Or a very intimate net term for father where you would say papa or daddy. Very intimate. He's not just the king of glory. He's my father. He's my papa. At Salvage One, which my dad owned, he was the CEO. He was the big chief. He was the head honcho. He was El Jefe. But to me, that's daddy. You see, Festus, you know him in a different role than I know him. You know him as the guy you better be nice to because he writes your paycheck, we'll pay him in cash. Writes you, get you your money at the end of the week. I know him as the man that provides for me more than what is just necessary. But who loves me, I, I think, at that time, you know, you had your days with your parents. Who loves me who will protect me, who will care for me, whom I have a relationship with. We've got to quit treating God as if he's just the CEO of heaven. Amen. He is more than just the creator and executive overall. He is the Lord most high, yes, but he is first my father. So you gotta have confidence to come boldly into the throne of grace. Hebrews 6 and 11 and 12 says, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful, that means lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Leave that up there. I want you to see the words lest you think I was not reading that right. That you be not lazy. Don't be a bum. But followers of them through who through faith, everybody say faith, and patience. Faith and patience inherit the promises. I know too many people that have all the faith in the world to receive the promise. They just don't got the patience for it. They can believe God. Oh, man. They can believe God to move mountains. They can believe God to walk on water. But if God says, wait till next Thursday, they couldn't do that. They've got enough faith that they could do a swan dive off the Empire State Building, and God would catch them before they hit the pavement. But if God said, wait till next week to jump, 
They wouldn't do it. Paul, uh, Paul said we've got to have faith and patience to inherit the promises. Everybody say patience. Amen. Realize the point that this is making. There is a place of confidence that we enter into that makes us Christians know that we are saved. Now, I don't, don't miss the point because it's so simple. You have to know that you are saved. I can't stress that enough. I can't, again, if you don't know if you're saved, one of two things is happening. Either you're sinning and you know you're sinning and you won't stop sinning so you know you're not saved. Or you don't got enough confidence that God is able to keep you saved. And both of them are fixable. Don't live with needless worry. You want absolute victory in your life? Change your perspective of God. So how do I do that? Well, David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Now, the word magnify means to enlarge. How can you make God any bigger than what he is? You can't. It's impossible. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. So then you have to look at the other definition of magnify, which means to put into proper perspective. We've got to put God in proper perspective. He's, he's my father. Let, let me ask you a question. Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, sometimes I, I, I think we're afraid of this kind of teaching and preaching because we're afraid everybody will, will go you know, crazy with some sloppy agape, you know, grace, goo-goo, grace, hippie, you know, free all type stuff. Where it's like, just do whatever you want to do. God don't care. You're going to be saved no matter what. And that's not it. But I think we really need to, to get a revelation that God wants us saved. He, he did not robe himself in flesh and die a cruel death on the cross. Raised from the dead. Live inside of us just so he could find ways to put us in hell. I don't believe that. I, I just don't believe that. I believe with all of my heart. It takes a lot more effort to be lost than it does to be saved. And you call me crazy. But I think you got to work harder to go to hell than you do to go to heaven. Because if you know God and you believe in God and you walk away from God, every day you live, you got to know you're walking away from the greatest thing there is. And every breath you breathe, you know is you're breathing by the grace of God. And you've got to spit in his face every day and say, that's not good enough for me. I don't care. It's hard to be lost. Why do you think backsliders are so miserable? Pastor, I don't think they're miserable. They look like they're having fun. Well, they're probably having fun. But they don't got no joy. That's what they're showing you on Facebook. That's what they're showing you on social media. Right? That's all that's for is to show you the highlights, the best parts. They're not showing you the real I know I've said this before, but I'm going to tell you, backsliders are the worst people to have a good time with because they can't settle for just having a good time. They, they got to go out there. I, I remember when I backslid and uh, got away from God, and I remember being at parties, and I was sick to my stomach like most of the time because I just knew I just knew God was going to rapture the church and I was going to go to hell. I just knew it. 
Well, Pastor, how did you get over it? Till I was so sloppy, slobbering, out of my mind, drunk. I couldn't deal with it anymore. And then I always turned and cried, oh, God, I'm miserable. I remember pray, some of the best prayer meetings I ever had was kneeling before a toilet. Come on, somebody be real with me. Tell me you know what I'm talking about. God, you're just sober me up. I promise, Lord, I promise. If you'll just sober me up, God, I'll, I'll never do it again. Lying demon. And he went out and do it the next night. And the next night, you're down before the porcelain throne. Oh, God. I'll turn I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm miserable. I'll go to Africa, Lord, and be a missionary, I promise. You don't. And all your friends are like, what a bummer. Get high and all you can talk about is, I'm in a demon world. That's what the Bible says. You become an intruder into the spirit world. What do you think they call alcohol spirits? That's what the Bible says. You enter any other way through the spirit world. Listen to me, young people. All that getting there drunk and getting high and they think they're being. You enter unprotected into a demonic world. Unprotected. Outside of the blood of Jesus. scary place to be. I knew that and did it and I'd be in that spirit world and I'd go, oh God! And my friends, they're, they're, man, he's a buzzkill. I entered unprotected into, into the spirit world. That's a dangerous thing to do. So well, you can come out of it. I, I know too many that did. I know too many that lost their mind. I know too many got demon possessed doing that stuff. Y'all think I'm crazy. We don't know, know about demon possession. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me tell you something. I, I, I know. I'm, what time did I start? Everybody after church, go to Brother Garza and say, you've got to eye watch. You've got to learn <laughs> and teach pastor how to start his time. I won't be long. I won't be. I, but I'm off and we're going to close. But I'm going to tell you, young. this don't just apply to young people. I'm talking to everybody right here. This is why sex outside of marriage is a dangerous thing. You, you, you think, oh, I'm just going to hook up. Oh, yeah. You hook up to that whore and see what all you hook up to. You, you hook up to that sugar daddy and see what all happens. You enter the spirit world. Pastor, that's a little deep. I mean, are you sure? That's, it's, it's, it's just sex. Really? That's, that's probably your public education talking, isn't it? That's probably your university degree talking. It's just a biological, natural thing. No, it is a spiritual thing. The Bible said when two marry, they, they become one flesh. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you lie down with a harlot, you take on every spirit that she has gained through everyone else she slept with. 
Now, I'm saying she is what the Bible said, but it applies to he's. I've known good Christian girls start, start messing up with a boy at school or at work and all of a sudden start, start dealing with issues they've never dealt with in their life. Suicidal thoughts. Manic depression. What, what happened? What? You hooked up with stuff. You went into the spirit world unprotected. And when you joined up with that person, you took on all the baggage they had. Amen. We, we better be aware of this stuff. Sexual, sex is not a, a merely a physical thing. I think everybody here is mature enough to handle this. Right? Amen. We, you can handle this, right? <laughs> Reach over and hold her hand in case she faints. It, it, we... You got to be able to. Our young people and adults need to know this. It's it, there is no casual hookups. There is no anonymous hookups. So yeah, you can get an STD. No, that would be best case scenario. You you gonna get connected with stuff in the spirit world that'll get in your spirit. So well, if I got the Holy Ghost, if you had the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't have done it. Well, I can just repent and get it out of me. Are you sure? Are, are you sure? Are you sure? I've seen more than a few times Bishop Hurst take people into the office, and later on I found out, amen, uh, because I had to go there and pray, this person had been unfaithful or this person had messed around and attached to their spirit now were other spirits. Watch good people. Good people. I don't know why I'm on this. I watch good people mess around and all of a sudden become addicted to stuff. Never had any addictive personality before. Just, just get addicted to it. I mean, people that just, it was a one-time thing. It was, a, it was just a whirlwind affair. And all of a sudden now they're, 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 they have this craving for things they never had before. Why? Because what was in that person is now in you. And now you've got to get deliverance. You got to do more than repent. You got to be delivered now. This all right? You got to be careful how you enter the spirit world. This is why Paul said, "Come before the throne of grace boldly," because there's one way to enter, and that's through the blood of Jesus. That's the covering of God's blood and His sacrifice for our sin. Don't go into that world when you're married. Have at it. Not before. That's, that's one big reason you get married. When you get married, that means knock yourself out. Amen. Say, really? Yeah. God created that stuff, you know. I, think, I, I really think there are some people that think God only meant that for procreation. And I feel sorry for the ominous. Amen. And ominous Pentecostals, praise God. Something's wrong with my husband. He's just all the time. Well, ain't nothing wrong with him. He's just what God made him to be. Opposite of you. Amen. <laughs> just different. Not broken, different. Made in the image of you. I don't know why I'm getting on that, but praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a good reason to get married. It's a good reason to stay married. 
Good reason to get married, stay married, and be happy and keep your spouse happy. Amen. You want the keys to victory? Hallelujah. Amen. You young people are like, man, this is weird. Well, this is what you look forward to when you get married. Amen. Praise God. We're not going to shy away from it. That, like, that stuff don't happen. Hey, look, if you, when you, it's a blessing of getting married. Now, I'm going I'm to wait till I'm 40 to get married. Well, you're going to be miserable. Now, Paul did it. No, there's some people that can do it. Some people are called to it, and there's nothing wrong with it. But that, that's the few, not the many. Paul said, if you can abstain from marriage, don't marry. But he says, ready to marry, better to, uh, to marry than burn. Amen. I knew I was going to burn. I need to get married. Amen. Praise God. Most of us do. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm talking about confidence. <laughs> Getting rid of needless worry. Having victory. Amen. Be victorious. Have confidence in the God that you serve. Amen. And I, I'm winding this down. You, you, <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have confidence in the God you serve. You've gotta have confidence to come before him boldly. And, and all of these worries that you're carrying, you've got to come confidently to the throne of God and carry this to him. You know what worry is? You've heard me say this before. Hopefully, you'll memorize this one day. Worry is having confidence in anything but God. So we take our worry. we got to take those worries to the Lord. The Bible, he said, cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. Say, God don't want to hear me pray that prayer. Well, he wouldn't have said pray it then. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Social media. And let, me, let, let, let me help you. I hope I don't get in trouble. You know, you talk to your spouse too. But don't annoy them. Victory in Jesus, my Savior. So I thought that's what I married for them to hear. You know, probably after 20 years, you worrying over the same blasted thing every day, 10 times a day. They probably got the point. Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. You want them to like you. Take it to the Lord at some point. Amen. We read about the start. Uh, we read the start about the quality of high human, uh, human high priests that have to intercede for God's people. Because they understood the level of intercessions it took to intercede for the sins of the people. We read about their compassion and their gentleness. They themselves are human and know uh, what it is to be weak and to make mistake and make mistakes. And the high priest, Jesus Christ, that we deal with has the same compassion because he has the same qualities that Paul was writing about in Hebrews. He was incarnate in the flesh just as we have flesh. It was not divine flesh he had. It was not flesh that didn't hunger or knew no pain or knew no temptation. It was the same flesh. He did not sin, but he knows what it's like to be tempted to sin. You can take it to the Lord. He understands. He knows what it's like. Somebody say, he knows what it's like. He was susceptible to temptations as we are. Amen. He didn't sin. 
He knew what it was like to be tempted, but he didn't sin. So when he sees the hurt deep inside, amen, as the sword of his word cuts our spirits and our souls open to look for faith, suddenly he is filled with compassion because he realizes he himself has been touched with those same temptations and he himself has went through it. And that deep love begins to go to work and that the Lord begins to intercede. Oh, we must trust God. We must put our confidence in the Lord that if he sees and he knows our hurt, that we can go to him and confide in him and say, Lord, I need you. I am struggling with. Listen, you've got to start learning to go to the Lord when the temptation is coming, not just when the fall happens. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationships. Religion says, religion says, I've messed up. If my dad finds out, he's going to kill me. But relationship says, I failed. I need to go tell my daddy. Because he's waiting there with compassion and intercession to help you in that moment. If we only knew the reality if I could only get you to see this truth tonight, amen, that his sword has two edges, amen, it has two sides, it cuts two ways, it removes the hypocrite, but on the other side, it also opens up the hurts for the high priest to see and to minister cleansing and to minister healing to that wound. He knows that you made a mistake. He knows that I have failed him. He knows that we have fallen short of his glory, and he knows that we truly love him and he is trying to help restore in us a confidence in him he doesn't want you to feel low he doesn't want you to wonder if you're saved he wants you to have the ultimate confidence in him brother Lucas if you'll come if we would only read the word of God a little bit more than we already do if we would only listen and pay close attention, very close attention to the truth, we would be filled with tremendous confidence. We would be filled with absolute assurance. We would be filled with boldness to enter into the throne of grace. We need to get used to finding out the reality of our situations as Christians that we face are spelled out in the Bible and the cure for every sickness the resolution for every failure is in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. We need to get used to standing on the Word of God and the Word of God alone. Not the Word of God and self-help. Not the Word of God and Snapchat, not the word of God and TikTok, not the word of God and Oprah, not the word of God and Olstein. I'm talking about the word of God. You need to be confident in the word of God and stand firm on his word. In Sunday school, we used to sing the B-I-B-L-E. Now, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Read it. It's God's love letter to you. He loves you. He did not come to redeem man just to send all of man to hell. 
He came to redeem us, to give us every opportunity to have a confident relationship with him. He promised here that if we will give the more earnest heed to the things preached, we would be filled with assurance and confidence. We'll never have to wonder if he is there for us or not. We will know in confidence. We'll never think the false notion that nobody can know for sure whether they are ready or not to meet the Lord. Because we know better than that. He loves me. And I love him. And I'm walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope, I hope the, the message wasn't so simple we miss it. But if you want to get over needless worry and you want a key to absolute victory in your life, have confidence in the God of your salvation and know I'm ready to meet the Lord. If I close my eyes right now, never to awaken in this life again, I am confident I will rest with the Lord. Say, Pastor, you must be perfect. No, 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 no. The opposite. I'm not. But his sacrifice is perfect. Stand with me tonight. Pastor, is it really that simple just knowing that I'm saved? Yeah. Sorry, it's not more complicated. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you trust him? Is it reciprocated? Yes, it is. See, I love him because he first loved me. The, the mysterious thing of the love of God is he loved me when there was no because. I could offer nothing to him, but he loves me. I'm not going to attempt to get into this tonight and maybe, and I felt lately that maybe I should. It's been a long time since I've done it. We have a habit of viewing God as we view our earthly father. And this is proven through scripture. If your father was hard or he was absent or he was not loving, we associate God in the same way. We're always trying, if you had a father that you could never please, we naturally, the Bible, the Bible tells us this. We take that and we ascribe that to the Lord. So we think we can never please Him. We can never measure up. We always fall short. His love is infinitely more than that. If He was absent, if He was abusive, God's not. Jesus said, which of you earthly fathers having a child that was hungry that asked for bread would you give him a stone he was equating it right then he said wanted a fish would you give him a serpent he said then if your earthly fathers being evil being carnal know how to give good gifts then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give unto you you may not have been able to earn your father's love but you don't earn his love he gives it you may not have been able to earn their favor but you don't have to earn his favor he gives it it's free and there's nothing nothing that pleases God more than his children walk in the truth of that revelation I'm saved 
I'm saved because I'm walking in covenant. Not because I'm perfect, but because I walk in his grace and I walk in his mercy. And I am confident. I am confident. I want you to come to the Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.